Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 81. This is our US Open Tips show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon, everyone. The third major of 2019. It's always... Uh, Always exciting to do a major podcast. So golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Link is in the description box. Uh, you can follow me at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. That's been recorded. I will place a link to that in the description box. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, and on a myriad of different pod channels. Naturally, subscribe and follow the show. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. Now, for your reference, our US DraftKings show will be out either Tuesday... Or Wednesday, yet to be decided, but uh, please look out for that. Uh, we will be pulling something together later on in the week. Right, I don't want to talk about the RBC Canadian Open. What happened last night will come out in some of the questions, because we asked for some questions, we've got plenty of questions here, so I want I want to get straight into that with you guys. People mm. asking for our views and our opinions around that but I've got to say one I've got to read out one tweet that I've received today it's from Glenn Robinson Glenn Dorg on Twitter he says Steve love your podcast but please in capital letters for the love of God can you start pronouncing Matsuyama's name right (laughs) there is a Y in his name it is not Matsuyama as in Satsuma, I think, is what he's basically saying. <laughs> Cheers, Glenn. So from now on, Matsuyama is is how I'm going to pronounce it. If that's right or wrong. Glenn clearly wasn't listening when you used to butcher Brooks Kepka's name. <laughs> I've butchered everyone's names over the years, mate. It used to be Kopka. Yeah, Kopka, yeah. I've managed to get Kepka on side recently, but that yeah. that that'll go. Yeah, yeah, you're nearly there with um, with Xander as well. You, you, you tend to call him Showfly, <laughs> show isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there, there have been some wild and wacky variations of that over. Is the, it yeah. Ches or Che, Reevy? I've never got my head around <laughs> well, that either. Just call him Ches. Right, first question, chaps. In fact, there's two questions. I'm going to merge them into one. First one is from Alan Hunter. So don't answer it when I've asked this, but we're going to go on to a second one. Can Rory win at Pebble Beach? And this one's from Louis Morgan. All three of you in your preview podcast for the US Open said you wouldn't even consider Rory. So after yesterday's performance, have you altered your predictions? What do you think, chaps? Well, he was incredible yesterday, wasn't he? All week. It was amazing. I mean, he got the he had the driving down, and I think the thing that really impressed me the most was his uh, his wedge game. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very very good. He had the he had his distance control down. He had his spin under control yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it was that's um, 
that's going to be very important this week and like that's a that's a warning shot to everybody where his game is at um yeah that's it's like you said like you Stop said sitting earlier, on the Paul, fence. To, come it's on it's a real cat amongst the pigeons oh is he going to win tell me no i don't think he's going to win paul do I think he's going to win? Yeah. No, I think I, I think he's he has caused a real headache with the market because um, before this fourteen before to weeks, one he was. I looked on Saturday morning because he was yeah. he was he was mid pack. Well, he was kind of I don't know. He was fringy top ten, wasn't he? With a lot of players, fringy top 10, 14 to one more than available as of Saturday morning. Yeah, straight into eight to one favorite or joint favorite, as you'd expect with a performance like that, because his driving was out. In fact, all, all of his game looked really good, didn't it? And um, one of the big numbers that we tend to look for for the U.S. Opens in general is total driving. Um, and I think was it three of the last six or three of the last seven um, winners of the U.S. Open have entered the event having achieved a first for total driving week on their previous start. So of course. Rory McIlroy last week was first for total driving. So was, if you're yeah. looking for a big, big, big tick in a seemingly trend-worthy US Open stat box, then Rory McIlroy has just ticked that big style. Mm. <sighs> Can he win again? We've seen it before. He's, he's won he's won three on the trot in his career, isn't he? But he's, he's well capable of hitting top form and staying there. It just feels to me a course that's going to firm and be firm and fast and firmer and faster as the week progresses. I think you know we'll discuss this as you go into the, the, the actual condition stable a little bit further down. But I think as we go through the week, it's going to get increasingly firm and fast. And I think that increasingly plays away from Rory's key advantage. Um, and if you're trying to pick any kind of hold on it, I think that's probably about it, really. Because other than that, if he plays like he did over the weekend in Canada, he's going to be very, very close to winning this tournament. I always think Rory is more of a mid-score golf course killer. You know, so anything from 13, 14 under up, he just destroys course. I mean, was it 22 under or something or 21 under he won that? Yeah. He won't be winning Pebble Beach at 21 under. It's going to be closer to sort of three or four under. Yeah. And that, to me, I think will frustrate him long term. So I, I, he's not for me personally. I, I want onto the total driving thing. I wonder whether it's going to be. Oh, they almost need to weight it more towards uh, driving accuracy. Well, he was week. no. He, that, to be fair, he was sixth for accuracy. He was first for driving distance, sixth for accuracy, and second for greens in red. Yeah. He, he was all over it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, just just from a point of view, of, like trying to fine tune your own viewpoint on something. I, I I personally would put more weight on accuracy than length. Yeah. Um, for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a it's a short course by modern standards, anyway, isn't it? And um, it's as it firms up, the fairways are going to be running, and uh, you're not going to be need to be the longest, but your measured drives are going to be longer if they've kept in the fairway. Um, mm. Not over the cliff edge, which uh, some people will inevitably do over Just the course of the uh, four days. In the outing before they won the last two visits here, um, GMAC was 13th for tr- total driving at Celtic Manor, and Tiger Woods was second for total driving at Memorial at Muirfield mm. Village. So I think there's something in that statistic, and I've been really digging into that from my own perspective. Right, okay, so that's Rory. This is from uh, from Paul Morn. 
Do you think Tommy Fleetwood's break since the USPGA will affect his performance much? I think he looks a good fit, but his break in competitions is a concern. Well, I don't think these guys need to be playing every single week. And did, did Tommy went through a stretch last year, didn't he, where he played week after week after week after week at the back end of the year. And you can see that eventually it grinds him down. So perhaps he's being a bit more selective about how he approaches this year. And I think that's probably a probably a prudent thing to do. Um, in terms of his fit, I mean, if you look at some correlating... Um, finishes that he's had over the years. I mean, look at the Dunhill Links over in the European Tour. He's been great there. He hasn't quite won it yet, but he's had a couple of top five finishes. I think he's finished second twice. I think he was second there last year, wasn't he? Um, not a great deal of um, form at Pebble, but I think he, he played played for the first time earlier this year and made sure, the cut, yeah. made the weekend, made Sunday anyway. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> I know he hasn't played much, but he was eighth at Hillside, wasn't he, um, for the British Masters, which is another one of these uh, coastal linksy affairs. And then he flew um, straight to um, Beth Page, didn't he, with uh, yeah. Matt Wallace? Yeah. And uh, the note I had for Fleetwood from that um, that effort at Hillside was, once again, first for total driving. Third for all round, first for total driving that week. Hmm. So... Again, if you're looking for someone who's um, you know worthy of finding their way onto your shortlist for you know for some pretty tight criteria, then Tommy Fleetwood's there, I think. Barry, yeah, it's that's a long break, and like just going into without getting that week of I don't know competitive sharpness. Um, as a general rule of thumb, yeah, I'd have liked to have seen him play in between but um yeah so it's, i i think that i think it works against him he's saving himself for wentworth in september <laughs> when we'll all be there yeah long game long game mate he's playing the long game i think he's a decent shout for a top 10 um from dan miles this one is gary woodland value at 80s or am i losing my mind <laughs> that's, that's a question for Barry, surely. Definitely. G- Gary Woodland's value at six to one. <laughs> um, <laughs> You'd follow him over uh, a cliff at odds on. I God, I just don't say over a cliff with the the shaved banks this week. That's <laughs> true. Actually, today yeah. I, I I can just foresee one of my golfers it, it happening to him. Branch um, Snedeker likes ending up on that beach, doesn't he, with some of his drives on the on the mm. closing hole? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That, we'll, we'll we'll get to that closing hole. Look, I um I'm on Woodland this week. I oh. uh, I think uh, you devil. I know, I know, yeah. I know, but he's he, he's got that he's got that stinger off the tee. Um yeah. I think that's going to be that's something he plays all the time, so it's he's not changing his game up. That that um, pure on, pebble on, on how he scoring plays. average where he tops the ratings. That's that's really yeah. sucked you in, isn't it? Cause I, I mean, him. I was there. I w- I was there already, Steve. It just strengthened <laughs> my case to be honest. Like it's not it's it's not as many rounds as others, but you know the, he's going there with good vibes of uh, of knowing he can score well around the place. He won't have to alter his game too much in the way he can you know can hit those stingers off the tees. Um, you know, I'm just looking at 
you know, I think there's going to be a lot of wedges this week as the course gets firmer and faster. These guys are going to get closer and closer. Um, just looking at a few stats on like GIR percentage from that kind of like 125, 150 yard range. Um, but just one here, GIR percentage from less, from 125 yards and in, he is 15th in that. So, mm. and, and that's that's going to be a key thing this week, I think, uh, hitting as many greens as, as you can uh, because scrambling looks like it's going to be very tough. As um, ever. So, mm. yeah, yeah, particularly, well, you're going to have to do an awful lot of scrambling this week. Those greens are tiny. You're not going to be, nobody's going to be hitting 80% of greens. So um, that's one thing. Gary will have to have a good week around the greens um, when, when he misses them. So 80 to 1, good shout. So your think, answer to Dan so. is you, he is not losing his mind. Not at all. And, and look, you're going to have fun watching him hit stingers if he is up there. And if he falls away, then you got value for money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm a very biased Woodlands you trooper. Do, you do so. like Gary. We've all got our favourites, and that's that's all part of golf betting, isn't it? Now, this one's from Simon Woodington. Do you think Xander, he hasn't said Shafeli or Shofley, Shofley, there you go. Do you think Xander has a top 10 chance? Tremendous recent majors record. 28 looks a good price for a player with a good Pebble Beach scoring average. Well, you need to... You need to bear that scoring average slightly in mind on the basis that he's only ever played one competitive round there. But that was an interesting round in itself because at that stage he was a tour rookie. And I think he was in the midst of a six or seven missed cut running streak. And he was absolutely appalling around the other two courses. But he got to Pebble Beach and he shot a three under 69. So that gave me some kind of steer. But I think Xander has a great chance of a top 10 this week. In fact, I think he's got a great chance of winning the whole thing. Yeah. There you go. There's my answer. No, I'd agree. You know, We've talked about Xander um, at length over the last six months or so when it's come up to these big events because he has the ability, as we've seen, to hone his game and get it ready for these uh, these these major events and these major tournaments. Um, and that outing he had at Memorial on his last start where, again, that total driving stat clicked. He was first for total driving that week. Yep. First for ball striking, eight for all round. That's perfect preparation. Yeah. In my view, and I know you, you've... Uh, You've backed him as well, Steve, yeah. and I'm sure you'll go through him in further detail with your um, selections. Of the He's and... been on my list since that memorial performance. He he wasn't yeah. going anywhere. So, yeah, he's in for me. Uh, final quick question from Keith Trenery. Thank you for all these questions, by the way, chaps. It's much appreciated. Boys, question for the podcast. How do Fleetwood and Stenson stack up this week? Will the tight fairways and long rough, plus Poana Greens, suit them? Yeah, we talked about Fleetwood a second ago, and I think I think he it does suit him. Um, he's, uh, he's he's had he's a decent finish in a, a U.S. Open anyway, but I think this will be slightly different, and I think it's going to be more kind of European, Northern European conditions this week. The the grass, the weather conditions, the temperature. Um, yeah. I think generally it's going to feel to the to the players kind of more of a yeah. A, a, 
you know, almost a British kind of uh, kind of feel to it, I guess. Um, Stenson, I, I never quite get Stenson right. I must say, it's it's been a while since I've picked a good week for him. And generally, when I when I back him, he has a bad week, and when I leave him alone, he had a good he has a good week. But he was he was decent enough last week in Canada, wasn't he? Um, and again, if you're looking for someone who's strong from tee to green, you can't can't dispute it. He's not going to need to get his driver out of the bag. Um, you know. Hardly at all, if at all, this week. I don't think no. he's going to be able to, mm. be able to use that trusty three wood and uh, keep himself in play. Um, his scrambling was good last week. His all round was good. This is another key stat to look for. Third for all round, I think he was in Canada. Um, sixth last year at Shinnecock. So again, you know, you okay. add it all together. I don't. Both of those guys could could fit quite nicely. It was I his best putting performance for a while for Stenson last week. Mm. Um, and clearly the the ball striking. It's in. It's, it's fascinating what you say about how many times are these players going to have to pick up driver. So that you, they're going to have to pick up driver on the three par fives. Yeah. And I've read you know various different pieces across the internet saying you know it's going to be could be as little as four or five holes, dependent on what kind of player we're talking about. Mm. He's so good with his mid and long irons as well that he he you know, he might take the driver out just. Yeah. two times in the round, you know? Yeah. And depending if he thinks he can reach one of you know, the par fives or if there's value in going for them, um, yeah, yeah. you know, depending on how, on the, the conditions of the day. So, look, he's top, what is he, top five in driving accuracy percentage. Um, we all know his long game or his approach play is in, in great nick. Um, he's actually not as bad as, uh, his scrambling stats are not as bad as everybody would think because, you know, his putter usually lets him down, but he was, where is he there? Had it pulled up. He was in the top 50, I think, for scrambling on tour. So, or was it strokes gained around the green? All these stats are kind of blending a bit together for me. Mm, but, uh, yeah, I um, I was, I've been kind of keeping an <coughs> eye on him and... He's, 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 you know, he's, the, he's definitely on the rise, Henrik. I think he was. I'm, I'm desperately looking at the uh, looking at the numbers while we were recording this. But he was fifth for scrambling last week in Canada, and that was his best scrambling mm. week of the whole year. And that mm. was one, you know, eighty percent. That wasn't a particularly onerous scrambling golf course, though. A lot of guys are plus seventy percent, which isn't your normal kind of PGA Tour number. Yeah. Um, it was pretty simple for scrambling, but it's all positive from from him, I think. Um, if you actually looked at if you looked at that from a strokes gained around the green, I, th- I don't think it was overly great. So these stats they throw you out. He's fifth for scrambling, but he wasn't fantastic in terms of strokes gained around the green. How they I don't know how that works out, but I think he's a decent shout this week, Henrik's. And as Paul said, with these northern European conditions, experienced heads who have got a decent Open Championship or Links golf record, I think, will come into their own. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I tend to prefer Henrik on um, Bermuda greens rather than rather than Ben or Ben Power, just from his um, history and from the performances that he's had on the European Tour, yeah. mainly in the um, mainly in the Middle East, where he's yeah. he, he's you know he has been particularly good on on Bermuda. But as you say, it was a it was a positive putting performance for him last week. Yeah. Um, and that was again predominantly the predominantly Parana um, greens over in Canada. So, you know, there's, there's no there's no reason really to strike a, a line through his name this week on on the basis of um, you know any any of the numbers or any of the a, you know, attributes that we've talked about so far. 
Guys, this is all music to my ears because I backed him over the weekend. <laughs> not not for, not for last weekend's for for the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds great. I mean, I'm I'm just going to drop you in it here, Steve. When okay. I was talking about looking at Webb Simpson last week, yeah, yeah. you said that bleep can't put for bleep on Poa Greens. Yeah, I went, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll so this way, yeah. I I struck him off, and uh, lo and behold, he didn't he win though, did he? Didn't win. No, but hang on, it would, would have been a very nice each way. It would yeah. have been, especially with Shane Lowry he, on on your card as well. To be fair, we well, were all yeah, round we, it last week, weren't we? Larry Schnedeker, you wanted the yeah, bad yeah, Webb yeah. Simpson, I put you off. Yeah, yeah so um, no, it was good. It was good to get to get a nice, full, comfortable place on Larry. Um, you, and, you know, it was the tournament was done and dusted after the first few holes on Sunday. So yeah. it was just, uh, it was just nice to watch him play well and, and know that the, the place was locked up. So uh, yeah, good, good week. Um, kind of sucked that Webb Simpson stole a couple of hundred grand off him with that chip in on 18, but uh, yeah. you know, for Shane's sake, but yeah. you know, he's uh, he's more or less uh, locked up his tour card now with that one performance. So, um, yeah, you know, he, his long game looked good last week. That, you know, he could be a, a bit of a dark horse this week for a, a place. I mean, and he's got he's got a U.S. Open. Um, I don't know. Needs what? Well, maybe a personal uh, revenge mission on the U.S. Open, having led at Oakmont. Yeah. So you know, there's uh, plenty of good things going for Larry going into this week. He was mm-hmm. ninth for strokes gained tee to green, which was a great number. The only thing that really put me off, the only the club that seemed to be the weakest for him was his driving for me. And I think that could just put a little bit too much pressure on him round Pebble. He yeah. wasn't quite as straight. I mean, he was 58th for total driving. Uh, he almost went out of bounds on 10, didn't he? And I'm sitting there going, oh, Shane, don't start spreading it. <laughs> keep, it, keep it going, Jay. But yeah, well, not I, I think there's worse shouts this week. Than worse shouts. Yeah, and he's he's, he's got a lot of pebble magic. experience. He's played this. He's played that uh, national lots four or five times since the old last U.S. Open. So it's not as if he doesn't know the course intimately either. Yeah, and just just like he's got a magical short game, so oh, yeah. that that's going to be a that'll be a weapon this week. Yeah. His scrambling game was on point. There was no doubt about that last week. Um, okay, let's quickly run through the course. Pebble Beach Golf Links, um, Neville and Grant, nineteen nineteen uh, original course type, coastal naturally. It's classical. I also classify it as technical. It's going. It's going to be tough scoring this week. There's no doubt about that. Par seventy one. Uh, it pays a par seventy two for the AT and T National Pro Am. Uh, they take one of the uh, easy par fives out, turn it into a very difficult par four for this. I think it's the second. Mm. The length is 7,075 yards, which I think um, is a fascinating fact, allied to the fact that we're looking at fairways this week, which pretty much stack up with where they were last week and at Muirfield Village. So they're not they're not onerously tight, it has to be said. At 300 yards, you're looking at 29 yards wide. Now, Hamilton last year, 300 yards uh, last week, they were 29 yards. Um, and at Muirfield Village, they were 30 yards at the 300-yard point. Now, you go back to somewhere like Colonial, you're looking at another five yards tighter than that. 
So, the, but the issue here at Pebble Beach isn't so much the width of the fairways, it's the run on the fairways. And it's actually running through fairways that becomes a problem. Because, and it's true from the, from the content I've been seeing filmed across the weekend, Pebble Beach looks lush, it looks green, looks very nice at the moment, but you just know that as we move towards the weekend, that course will start to become very firm and very fast from T to green. And um, it's actually keeping your ball on the uh, short grass that um, becomes difficult just with the amount of run on the holes. That's, that's one of the key elements, I think. Pure Poana greens and the greens themselves are three and a half thousand square feet on average. They are the smallest greens on the PGA Tour, period. Yeah, and this is one of the things you, you know. Every time we see Pebble Beach, you know, from the from the um, pro am that we see each year, and of course the occasional major is the size of the greens. They are tiny, aren't they? You see some of these tracks that they play on the PGA Tour where the greens are just massive, but. Um, the greens are nasty, so. and some of the bunkering around the greens is auto mm. bogey, and that's where the scores start adding up. Yeah, uh, you've clearly also got some um, holes that run along the top of the cliff edges, where if you've got uh, if you've got a, a drive that's errant and it's bet and it's and it's going left, as DJ found out in twenty ten, it doesn't stop it just starts plummeting into the beach and the sea below. Yeah. I think um, if, if the USGA want to make this a particularly onerous test and, um, you know, they've got a track record for that, they can do exactly what they want with this golf course. But there's a big but there. Um, Mike Davis, who is kind of... He's like the pantomime village of, of villain, isn't he, of... of um, professional golf he has moved upstairs in the usga he's now the chief executive and uh, he's brought along his mate john boddenheimer who is now the usga senior managing director that sounds expensive of championships and he has complete control of the golf course this year not mike davis mm. and there was an interesting comments i picked up on a podcast yesterday from um, John, and he, he came across quite a nice chap, basically saying, and this is, uh, if we get really windy conditions, we will need to manage things with a combination of one, green speeds, two, firmness, three, rough heights. I think we will be slower this year with green speeds than we were in 2010, which gives us new hole locations. They will still be quick, but we will start them off a little slower. It's important with these tiny putting greens. If it gets really windy and blustery, they get crusty real quick. So we will pay real attention to the hydration of the greens. Also, interestingly, um, Nick Price is now part of the USGA Executive Committee. And they have got Jason Gore on board this week. And he is going to be a liaison between the USGA and players. And he's um, playing a big part in setting the course up for them. Jason Gore, who's an old PGA Tour pro, isn't he? 
yeah. uh, masses of experience. He's a Californian guy. He's actually won the Californian uh, amateur. So I, I, I don't see this being quite as brutal and quite as nasty as it was when GMAC won in 2010. The other thing I did glean as well, looking back, six major championships here, five US Opens and a PGA Championship. Only GMAC has won with a score that wasn't under par. The others, of course, you know, we're not going to go to the extremes of Tiger Woods, but every other winner here has been at least under par when they won the golf tournament. And I, yeah, I, see, yeah. I've just got a gut feel. My gut feel is there doesn't appear to be a lot of wind in the forecast. There are cold conditions, as you said, Paul. 19 degrees Celsius Thursday, Friday, which falls to 16 and 15 on Sunday. So a lot of um, a lot of our PGA Tour pro- professionals will not like that one little bit. You know, I can see bobble hats and all sorts going on potentially. But um, <laughs> Matt Every will be having a face mask, although he's not in the field. But it's snood, yeah, yeah. But um, it does feel Northern European. It does feel that the course might be just a little bit softer than we had in 2010. Personally, I think around about four or five under wins it. That's my gut feel on it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't sound from what's uh, from that quote that you uh, that you listed in your preview that they're going to attempt to set it up brutally. But I guess they'll see how it goes because you know if the, if the scoring looks like it's going to get away from them after a day or so, then perhaps they'll start to tuck a few pins away and uh, and make it a little bit tougher to score for. For Thursday, Friday, for Friday, Saturday, and mm. uh, of course into Sunday. There might be the, the classic USG. There might be the odd 67, 68 on Thursday. Mm. I was just going to say it's like the classic USGA knee jerk reaction. <laughs> yeah. You know, Over- well, someone have, someone shoots yeah. five under on Thursday, and then they they turn it's up next day. And, yeah, 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 yeah. We must protect par, but not tell everybody about it. <laughs> the one thing they yeah. can't do with this course, though, they can't really extend it. Because it just hasn't physically got those t the the t length, so the only thing they can really do is tuck pins and make those that make those uh, conditions as firm as they can. Mm. Yeah, well, I, it's very. It would seem very clear just from you know, looking at the course and a lot of the players posting stuff uh, on Instagrams. They are they must be watering it quite quite a lot to yeah. keep it that green. Yeah, yeah it looks green. and. They, if they just dial back the watering of the course, and there's a there's enough breeze there and sunshine to dry that out very very quickly. Mm. Um, so there you go. I I've, mean, this is another thing. I've, this Boddenhammer said, or Boddenhammer. There's another pronunciation gone south. I have talked to hundreds of players. I have had conversations with seven or eight of our past champions, Els, Strange, McDowell, and others. I want to know what they think, and so I think. What has happened over the years is that the guys have pent up frustration and the USGA haven't been there for them. And he says, shame on us. Now we are there for them. It's not going to change overnight, but we have, we are there for the long term. So he's, he's talking a game where they are going to listen to, to players and they're not going to be, you know, stepping way over the edge, you know. As we mm. saw at Shinnecock last year, with 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 Lefty kind of protesting on the on the Saturday on the greens. Yeah. 
So yeah, I don't know. I just you know you read between lines. It just feels that they're actually going to hopefully get the course just right where the course is the star. It's going to be difficult enough because it's a brilliant setup, and you know just let the best players go at it. If it's six under that wins it, who cares? As long as it's yeah. a great tournament. Yeah, I mean, all you've got to do is just turn it into a par seventy, then, and you're guaranteed, almost guaranteed, a score at par just fractionally under so mm. they kind of they kind of just have to you know let nature dictate how the course plays in the same the way that the RNA do for the open championship yeah so may, maybe this is a this is a good opportunity for the usga to to turn a corner and uh i guess uh win back a bit of the confidence of the players that seems yeah. to have been lost over the last few years um they're the only ones that care about what the winning score is we don't as fans par is irrelevant it's whoever shoots the lowest number of shots for the tournament so nobody really cares what the score relative to par is and let's hope that that's something that the usga have got on board with um we shall see in, in i still want it to be really difficult though you of course yeah, and, and i, th- I think it, test, i think yeah. it will be yeah i think it will be now what, before we start talking specific players who we've we've actually backed, um, what are you, uh, if I was to sort of re- if I was to list three three features that I think are interest uh, three features that I think are key this week, my, my three would be one total driving. I, I genuinely think that it's a little bit of length off the tee. If you can keep it reined in and strategic and straight, is an advantage around Pebble. I think it's an advantage anywhere, but I still think it's an advantage here. And long hitters do tend to win the US Open in the main. Secondly, I think um, strategy and temperament is the second uh, real key component needed. And I think a lot of that comes potentially with slightly older players. And thirdly, I I just think a razor-sharp short game, scrambling game, putting game is mm. going to be absolutely critical this week. They're, yeah. they're the three elements I've gone with. Do do they stack up with where you guys are coming from or are you seeing things slightly differently? I think... Close. Yeah, don't you go, bro. Yeah, no, but back to... I just, I'm, I'm putting a bit more weight on um, driving accuracy than total driving. The, the length will length obviously is always an advantage, but it has to be super controlled this week and you know put to put to good use in the fairway. Um, yeah, yeah. So and the other one I'm kind of looking at sort of a a blend of like proximity to the hole and greens and regulation. Um, just kind of get an idea or get a feel for how well people are you know how how well their approach game is at the moment. Um, the the higher number of greens you hit, the the less scrambling you have to do, and you know seeing that rough and those bunkers and those small greens, and if you go, you know, when they can tuck the pins away, and they're talking about tucking the pins away with the greens not being at that ridiculous speed, um, they can put pins close to bunkers on on pitches, and that will make it very difficult to, you know, get up and down from the sand or or you know up and down from the rough as well. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, greens and reg, and then obviously then the scrambling fits into that there. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're going to need to 
hit a lot of fairways here, I think, um, to attack the pins, to give yourself a chance, because these, these greens really are tiny, as we've discussed, um, to give yourself a chance of actually finding the greens, you need to be attacking from the fairway. Um, when you miss the greens, and we've looked at the, and we talked about this in the preview show, the um, the GIR stats for players and winners around here um, from the US Opens, you know, you're talking 60% being a being a yeah. pretty um, pretty strong total. So if you're scrambling 40% of the time, and that, and that's as one of the better performing players in the week, then your short game needs to be on needs point. To be good, absolutely. But for me, I'd also throw into that. Uh, US Open performances in the past. I think you need to have a mentality that um, and, and an experience that allows you to, um, to to know what you need to do in a US Open in, in a situation where you may have made a string of bogeys um, and some players will just throw the toys out of the pram at that point and it'll be miscut. Um, and the players that can weather that, weather the storm, um, adapt their approach and, uh, and calm themselves down and, and, and stay in the game. Um, that's an important facet at the US Open for me. And also um, pebble performances. And I know we're talking about the Pro-Am. We know we're talking about a different setup at a different time of year with softer greens and easier pins. And I know that to correlate the performances on the Pebble Beach Pro-Am versus a Pebble Beach Major or Pebble Beach US Open, uh, you, you need to consider the two different setups. But if you look at the previous winners here in majors, they've all got form at Pebble Beach. Um, Graham McDowell was the worst of the bunch, I think, in terms of his single top 10 finish here. But you look at the likes of Woods and Kite and uh, Watson and Nicholas going back into the uh, into the previous winners here, they'd, they'd all won. They'd all won at Pebble Beach at the prime. So performances and previous performances around this piece of land I think need to be borne into consideration too. Who have you found then, Paul? We'll start with you. Who have you found that have got the key um, stats that you like the look of on their last couple of outings and have got that balance that you're looking for in terms of who you've backed? Yeah, I've I've gone for a couple of guys at the top of the market, which are the same as you. So I'll leave, I'll leave them to you. I've I've gone for three. I've backed three longer shots, which I'll, I'll take you through, um, and for similar reasons, really. I mean, the first one was um, Jimmy Walker, who I backed last week, and we talked last week about Jimmy improving off the tee and it being one of his. Um, weaknesses, but he was slowly turning it into a, um, well, not necessarily a strength, but it was it was an improving part of his game. And if you look last week, he was ninth for driving accuracy last week. Mm. You know, we're talking about figures for Jimmy Walker that you just don't see. Mm. Um, so ninth for t- uh, driving accuracy, third for total driving, sixth for ball striking, fifth for all round last week, eighth mm. for scrambling. His game, his stats last week were great. Now he finished mid division. Um, he really just couldn't get, couldn't make the birdies at the no. appropriate point. But um, he, he started with a bogey three round. He he could easily have had a bogey three third round. He just doubled the final hole. He could have easily had a bogey three final round. He he bogeyed the final hole. Um, so bogey avoidance, apart from those um, timely or untimely um, bogeys, was was great. Um, he's won here in, in a Pebble Beach. He won here in twenty fourteen. He's got four top ten finishes to add to that as well. And um, I thought. 
you know, you, you could you could make a case for not backing him, you know, because if he had a bad week off the tee, then he misses the cut. I understand that. 150 to 1, eight places um, felt like a risk worth taking to me, um, given that he did pick pop up on a lot of the key stats I was looking at. And as, as I just said, the, the fact that he has this win around Pebble um, also gives me... Um, Gives me some confidence that he can uh, can draw on that for this week. Well, as we know with the work we did last week, he of the players that have played more than eight times since the US Open around Pebble Beach, he stacks up with the second best scoring average, sixty nine point five three, doesn't he? Yeah. And yeah, and that's on over a lot of rounds. Will, as well. This is the point. You will struggle to find a better player of Pebble Beach than Jimmy Walker. And it was just yeah. this little bit of putting, wasn't it? Every time I saw him on the TV coverage, he was just leaving one a couple of ball rolls short or just a. It was his actual tee to green game, as you described, was brilliant last week. If yeah. I if I could have fitted a longer shot into my tips, Walker would have been that man. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, um, I'm I'm there, I'm there too, Paul. We're all in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got two more places though, so <laughs> at the hundred and fifty to one. I, oh, I think, did I think, you? Yeah, I, I only managed yeah. to get eight, so I was probably a bit. Uh, I was probably a bit slow off the off the Who, mark. There, who's so. going to mention Danny Danny Willick? So he, one of you guys, will have backed Danny Willick. I backed him in running last week, and um, and I've I've not topped up since. I've I just backed him after he started well at uh, at the Canadian Open. So I've got a little bit on Danny. Yeah. Um, but yes, again, you, there's enough to like, isn't there? He's, he finished top six at the Irish Open last year. Um, six for the Open in 2015 as well. Yeah. I think he finished six for the Irish that year as well. So there's, there's some, you know, linksy type form there to draw back on, and um, his, his game's improving. We know that he's, he's, he's on that upward trajectory once again. And whether I top up any further on that I remains to be seen. But um, but yes, I don't, I don't I don't think Dan is a bad shout. I really no. don't. I like Danny. His driving accuracy wasn't good last week. I'm just looking up his stats. No, and there's a few bits that kind of put me off, um, say, going any further. I, I just grabbed the price early as he was starting to... Uh, was he yeah. 250 to, to 1? Yeah. At the exactly. start of the RBC Canadian Open. Yep. yep. Wow. But he's... That said, he's still got to 10 under, you know. He only hit mm-hmm. half the fairways. And, and the thing is, like, he might have just been testing out a couple of things. He could have been trying out you know, new shot shape or something. So, uh, yeah, it, there's, there's worse shouts. He's he's trending in a nice way, and you know he loves a grind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's got the mentality for it, yeah. Too right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one I backed relatively uh, soon before coming onto the podcast was Tyrrell Hatton. It's 125 to 1 with 10 places. Um, who he finished eighth quite recently at Colonial, didn't he? And um, sixth last year at the US Open at Shinnecock, so he's got a bit of US Open form, which I thought was nice to see. There's nothing from a pebble perspective to to trigger that stat. But um, if you look back through some of his European Tour um, events again, um, second at the Scottish Open, um, fifth at the Open Championship of 2016. Uh, ninth at the Scottish again last year. He's got some form at the Irish Open from a couple of years as well. Um, but the one that really sticks out, of course, is his Dunhill Links um, record, where he's won twice and he was second again last year, going for the uh, going for the three P. So if you can draw any correlations between the uh, three course setup for the Dunhill Links and the three course setup for Pebble Beach, and the fact that they you know they're both prime formats, and then of course going to Taking that one step further and applying that to Pebble Beach this week, if you can uh, work your round way way around that myriad of uh, 
of angles, then perhaps uh, perhaps Tyrrell will go well this week as well. But I think he's got a lot about him, Tyrrell Hatton. So um, if he can keep his head, which will be the, uh, the the main factor this week, then perhaps he can sneak a top 10 finish for a, a bit of each way action as well, 125s. Paul, I promise I'm not copying your homework. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Barry, you, you better go next so I don't steal your thunder. Just yeah, yeah. Then you can just follow and say, "Well, I have the same one as you." Right? Uh, I, 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 I actually jumped on Tyrrell over the weekend as well, and I uh, had a few Paddy Power boosts saved up, so I got him up to 150 to one. Uh, oh, thrilled, nice. th- thrilled to have that. Um, I think there's a couple of things, parts of his game that are built into that price. Like the obviously the head can go, but you know sometimes when Tyrrell's heads, who was it? Somebody said it to me there. Said it on a podcast there during the week. I can't remember which one it was. But, you know, he seems to channel his anger in a good way or in a positive way. Whereas somebody like Ram, when he gets angry, uh, he just blows up. Whereas Hatton just seems to get better and better the more riled up with himself he gets. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a few question marks over his putting. But just looking at his stats here, he is eighth in three put avoidance. So, you know, that's... Yeah, there's a little there's a little positive shaft of light there, and mm-hmm. uh, he he is he is really good at the grind, just really getting yeah. stuck into something that's nitty, uh, that's tough. So, um, I could definitely see you know, of of the hundred and fifty to one shots that you could look at, mm-hmm. you could really see him getting into the top ten. Yeah, no, I thought he was a good price for the uh, for the type for the for the quality of player that we know he can be. And it'll always price, be a little bit it? under. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it'll always be a little mm-hmm. bit under the radar stateside. So um, that's, you know, you could potentially pick someone up who is capable of sneaking into the top 10, I think. Especially with these these uh, European-type conditions. Again, that's mm. that stacks up nicely with two. Yeah, I, think I so. mean, you, ca- you, you catch him on a top 10. That's like, what's that, 37 or something? Divided by 30 to 1, okay, is the place payout. Yeah. So lop off your win stake. I mean, you're effectively getting him at 25, 26 to one for a top 10. Mm-hmm. That's lovely stuff. I mean, that might be better than the price of the winner of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. yeah quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Could be, could be, a, could be a better payout. Absolutely. So, any other long shots? I've, I've got one other long shot, but um, I'll, I'll let you go, Barry, if you've got any others. Just in case. Yeah. Who I've no other super long shots. I had Snedeker back from a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, so I only have, I got him at eighties. Oh, I only have him six. He's been locked yeah, in. He's season. been slaughtered. <laughs> yeah, what's he at now? Forties, forty to one. Yeah, there was a little bit of fifty fives, but yeah, generally getting down to that kind of forty to one bracket now, isn't he? Bet Fred are hanging out with fifty five to one and eight places each way. So fair play mm-hmm. to Bet Fred, but they're the only ones. Yeah, he's as low as what forties in places, forty fives. Yeah, so look, happy, happy to be on board. Somebody yeah, that, can, uh, a lovely that goes price for Brent. Yeah, very, yeah, very nicely around Pebble. So, um, mm. yeah, I don't think we need to talk too much about Brant and Pebble Beach. Everybody, everybody's fairly up to speed and aware of that. Mm. Um, let's go. Okay, I I backed Stenson. I couldn't resist. Yeah, like I said earlier in the show, long game's great. Uh, the game seemed in good shape last week, and a positive putting performance for Stenson is is probably unheard of. Um, so, yeah, I got him at sixty six to one. Somebody who's won a major, um, and can battle it out in kind of cool European style conditions on a firm, fast course. 
and the major he won was on a, a Lynx course. So, uh, yeah, happy to have him on board. Yeah, it's a bit of quality, isn't it? You can't dispute that if he does. He does play well on on and around the greens, and he's uh, he's got he's got a chance of being in that uh, that top eight, top ten, I think. Right. So that's you guys covered off. Some good good um some good players in there. I do like that. Um couple of angles that are worth bearing in mind here. There's always this one about world number one, isn't there, Paul? Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only Tiger Woods has won the US Open ranked at uh, world number one in the last 15 attempts. And he won at Torrey Pines, of course, where he'd also already won six times prior to his 2008 US Open victory. So that's one that kind of puts me off Kepka. Bearing in mind that I've been on Kepka the last couple of majors that he's won. Um, yeah. But I can't I can't go anywhere near him at the price now. Um, there's another... What was the angle that you came at in terms of the world golf rankings of players that won the US Open? Yeah, going back through um, through your pre-preview, um, everyone since 2003, which is everyone you'd listed actually, so that's a, that's a big time span, everyone was top 80 or better in the world rankings when right. they when they won this tournament. Okay. Um, and actually the most recent years have been significantly lower than that. You're kind of talking top 25 or shorter, so... Um, so yeah, you, you can lop off a good chunk of the field if you assume that that stat is going to continue into On that this basis. Year. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, there's also as standard, the winner of this will need to be the all, an all round kind of sort. So let's keep it simple. I've gone with players who can play well on tough Poana setups and those who tend to come alive on Lynx-style tests. The fact that nine of the last 13 winners of the US Open ranked in the top 13 for all-round in their last appearance has also influenced my team to a certain degree. So that's word from word from my preview. The four that I have gone with, one is Tiger Woods, um, of the top four in the betting who kind of, they're, they're away and gone, aren't they, the top four in the betting this week? Yeah. Um, I would have my money on Woods every day of the week. I just think this course set up, um, the way it's going to be strategic, the way that he finished so well at Muirfield Village, uh, the way that he was hitting fairways, the greens in regulation was tightening up, the approach was getting better and better and better. I just think Woods is peaking for the US Open. Um and if you'd probably said to him at the start of the year, what are, the, what are your best chances of winning a major? I'm sure that he'd have said Augusta, although he might have also said, I don't know if I can keep up with the young guns around there. And I guarantee you he'd have said Pebble Beach is an absolute must for me. So yeah. I just, I, I actually, I was I was praying, especially with, with Rory getting slashed. I thought the bookmakers, there might be one or two that would put up 14 to 1, but they didn't. And I think that they no. ha- they haven't put up fourteen to one for a very good reason that they know he's got an absolutely cast iron chance this week. Yeah, he's had that outing where he's he's shown enough form to to warrant some support, and I've backed him as well on on the basis of that. I think you're right. Um, whereas he came into Bethpage um, cold, didn't he? You know, and that you could see that his preparation, by his own estimation, wasn't uh, was what it needed to be, and. Um, 
he's got a far stronger chance this time round, I think. Ninth for Scrope's gained approach at Memorial and also fifth for total driving, fourth for all round. That's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a player that knows how to get around Tiger, uh, get around Pebble Beach with his eyes closed, has masses of open championship winning experience, can play in northern European cold conditions, no problem at all. Tiger Woods is your man. Um, clearly, Patrick Cantlay came close for me, but I've avoided Cantlay. Um, and I've already had some Twitter feedback. Why haven't you backed Patrick? And it's kind of, well, I just 20 to 1 isn't a, a price I want to be going with for a non major winner. And there's a terrible record for, for, me, for Memorial Tournament winners in the US Open. Take away Tiger Woods, clearly. And they just don't seem to kick on and win a US Open from winning that big tournament in um, Ohio. So that was another. And also, he's driving at Muirfield Village. There was a lot of drives going right. I noticed that as I was watching him over the Saturday, Sunday. He's losing yeah. a lot of drives right. And that's over the cliffs at Pebble. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem at Pebble. So that, that was enough to put me off Cantley. But he must have been close, though, Steve. I mean, he's number one in scrambling on tour. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very close to. I'm weighing up a big bet on him. You have um, to just weigh up. I mean, in the end, it was between Cantlay yeah. and and Xander for me, and I, I plump with Xander. I just, mm. I just love Xander's numbers from the Memorial, and Paul was alluding to them earlier. Um, fourth for greens in regulation, first for total driving. He was first for strokes gained off the tee. And he was eighth for all round. You know, if the putter had worked a little bit better, that 14th place would have been in the top five, undoubtedly. And we just know with Xander, um, he peaks for the big events. And I remember, I remember, year, you know, going back to 2017 with Xander. Um, you know, you write this stuff. Oh, there's, tra- you know, no one has ever won the Tour Championship at East Lake. You know, making a debut and. You can make a lot of rules up, a lot of you know reasons not to back someone, uh, but Xander he tends to break these rules, and he's he's got such a men he's got such a major mentality. I think he was undone at uh, Beth Page because I still think that he's learning how to play in gusting wind and and tough conditions like that. That won't be a feature this week. I just think he's he's hitting the ball so well. 13th for driving accuracy, bearing in mind that this is a guy that bangs it 298 for fun at the Memorial. Um, and he's way over 300 yards if he wants to be. But I think he's got the maturity as well too. He's not one of these drivers on every hole kind of players. He has that major mentality where he, he will play three woods, utility woods. He will he will hit two and three irons off the tee if needs be. I just think he's the perfect package for Pebble Beach. Mm. And that was why I went for Xander over Cantlay in the end. Yeah, no, it's a good. I, I, you know, we've we've done Xander to death, I think, over the last few podcasts or approaching the majors. But Plus, you're getting um, you're getting eight points extra, aren't you? Which is always a bonus. Yeah, no, I, I think at that kind of price, um, with enough positive signs, I th- uh, there's there's no reason to ignore him for me. I think you're absolutely right to do. I think it's sometimes it's it's worth keeping your eye on the markets when they're forming as well. I mean, I'm seeing prices drifting on Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Rose, all of these players are getting bigger odds with bookmakers. John Rahm, 
The two players that aren't drifting in any way, shape or form, or the three players, are Rory McIlroy. Well, we know why that is. Because if they're drift, they're going to they get their hand bitten badly. Uh, Tiger Woods and Xander Schauffele. Those are the three at the top of the market where their prices are staying absolutely rock solid with the bookmakers. Mm. Whether that tells you a story, I think it just says that, that you know they want to be kept on side. Those yeah. those three in particular. Are you on Hideki, um, Barry? Yes. Mm. <sighs> I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I think. I, I think I went to tour a, a major too early with Hideki, like I said in the pod last week. Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's so much to like about his game. Um, his irons. His irons have been very good recently, oh, yeah. if my memory serves correct. Yeah, the memorial. He was very good. You know, he hit seventy uh, percent of fairways, seventy two percent of greens. Positive putting performance. Just, you know, the whole game looked in very good shape. And, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I kind of sticking with him because it, yeah, he, he's, I think he, did he sneak in and just get a tight uh, place the last time? He was right on the, the PGA. He was right on the cusp, wasn't he? Did he bogey the last yeah. and it cost him or? I think I had enough places to get a bit of a payout. Um, got a joint, yeah. Yeah, so look, who who knows? It's uh, there's a, there's a lot of good players, and it's it's causing me uh, anguish on who to actually put my money on. Um, I think I have one final big shell to fire, and it's uh, I think it's a decision between Tiger, Cantlay, and Schofle, depending. And yeah. and then you know it's it's, it's weighing up the it's a tough the choice, price mate. versus it's weighing up the yeah, price versus the chance. On, it's been weighing on my mind all weekend. The Cantley Schofle. Who do you go with? Mm. This is it. Yeah, I'm, I, I wonder if I stick with my history of uh, like when when Molinar, you know, going into the Open Championship and calling Molinari and saying, "Well, if we look back on this next week and he wins, we'll say, well, of course he won. He's been he's been phenomenal for the last yeah. while.'" And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Th- that 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 has been Patrick Cantley. You know, he's. Uh, I think from a form not- perspective, there's no one better entering the field. He's just been outstanding, hasn't he, from the Masters onwards. It's just that price, yeah. isn't it? You know, you, you said, you know, for, for a major non-winner, 20 to mm-hmm. 1 just feels pretty short. And that's 20 to 1 best price is, you know, 16s and 18s generally. So, yeah, it's tough. But then we said I'm the same about Francesco. Frankie. And, yeah, it's, you know, as you said, the rest is history, isn't it? He's undoubtedly going there with um, a bucket full of confidence. He's got that. Pebble top 10, hasn't he? He had a top 10 back there in 2013, Cantley. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things to like about the guy. Now, when I look back at Tom Kite, Tiger Woods and GMAT, the last three winners here, all three of them, Kite had finished seventh the week, uh, two weeks before at Memorial. Woods had finished third at Memorial. And GMAT had won at, uh, at um, Celtic Manor on the European Tour. And one thing they were all doing were hitting tons and tons of greens in regulation. Kite, uh, Woods, he was second for GIR, and GMAT was first. So for my final two picks, I just kept it as simple as I could. And that brought me to Adam Scott, who was second for GIR at the Memorial. He was second overall. 
He was 10th for total driving, second for all-round category. And he's just playing some really good golf at the moment. Strokes gained off the tee 11th and strokes gained approach. He was the best in the field um, behind Patrick Cantley a few weeks ago at the Memorial. And I just thought, you know, in a tournament where a little bit of distance doesn't help and experience and open championship guile could be really, really important. I think Scott's got the lot. So 33 to 1. I got involved with Adam Scott as as my third pick. And then finally, a guy that can't putt on Poana, a guy that um, got no chance on the West Coast, but I've suddenly changed my mind completely after yesterday at Hamilton. And I've gone for Webb Simpson at 50-1, to just to round off my team. (laughs) Because to be fair to the guy, he played very, very well. And as Barry pointed out to me on Saturday... He, uh, he 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 was topping and did continue to top strokes game putting on Poana Greens at Hamilton. And if you actually look at where he plays well, you know we did that little piece of work, Paul, in terms of courses where both G Mac and Tiger Woods had played well over their careers. Webb Simpson's footprint is very very f- similar to both um, Woods and to G-Mac in the kind of courses that he's done well around. Kapalua, um, PGA National, he's played well there. He's got decent finishes at Bay Hill. It just ticks a lot of boxes. And his numbers mm. at uh, Hamilton last week were outstanding. They really were. Yeah. Second second for all round. Way. He was 11th for GIR. Just had a really good outing. Ninth for driving accuracy. He isn't the longest, as we know. He's still banging out there 290 when he needs to. And he has got quite a lot of Pebble Beach experience. I remember 2013, he, his two rounds that they played at Pebble Beach, he was seven under, which I think was the third best in the field that particular year in 13. Hmm. So he can get round Pebble if he needs to. He's just I noticed as well that Paul Tesori during that final round was really geeing him up, talking to him a lot while Rory was playing outstanding golf. And there was a lot of banter going on between the two groups. And every time Simpson made a big putt, you could see Tazori give him a fist pump. It was almost as if he was telling him, you know, you can do it. You can be competitive at this kind of level. And and on these greens, you can make putts. You never know with Webb. It could be just as obvious as Webb Simpson just kind of grinding his way around there, scrambling like a dervish, which he does pretty much every week, hitting enough greens to be competitive. And actually being a, a very obvious slap on the forehead. Why didn't I back Webb at Simpson at 50-1 to 1 when he was second last week? Mm. Could be one That would be the most unsatisfying wins for me. That would be galling, wouldn't I, it, for you, Barry? Oh, uh, I cannot. I, I just... This, it's galling he, if that it's happens. This, it's this... It's the swing. It's the swing. I can't. I just can't look at it. It makes me want to vomit watching it. <laughs> it's infinitely better than mine. <laughs> but I don't watch my swing, the so other, that's fine. Other, I think the other thing we need to bear in mind with Simpson, because you know he's kind of at that same price point as Branch Snedeker, a real course, um, you know, horse for the course. But the thing you get with Simpson is, and I was kind of taken aback by this, um, 20th at the Masters, 10th at the US Open last year on Poana Greens at Shinnecock. 
Far too long, that golf course for him. 12th at the Open. He was 6th after 54 holes. Now, we know how difficult Carnoustie played. Firm and fiery. 19th at the PGA Championship at Bell Reeve. That was far too long. Far too soft for him. And then this year, lo and behold, he did us over at the Augusta National, didn't he? Getting that 5th place, which yeah. threw out Ricky Fowler, threw out Patrick Cantley. And you look at some US Open winners... That kind of perform those performances in majors building up to their US Open win, it just jumps out at you. Where with Schnedeker, I'm not seeing any of that kind of major performances over the last two or three years. You get that with Webb built into that 50 to 1 price. He has been competitive, you know, at, at, at the highest level over the last four or five outings. And I, he, I just think he could go really well this week. As 50 to 1, I thought it was well worth, worth a shot. So those are the four that I've gone with. Simpson, Adam Scott, Xander Schofle, and Tiger Woods. And you've gone for Matsuyama. Is that correct, Baron? Yama. Uh, You're just saying that to try, yeah. I'm I'm practicing. (laughs) I'm practicing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm I'm on Hideki. Yeah. Who could could bite us all on the arse? A player that we haven't, none of us have backed, none of us have covered. Matt Kuchar? Oof. Yeah. I did look at Kuchar. I mean, he's playing some consistent golf and, you know, clearly he's having his having his challenges um, mm. with uh, with his, well, not with his game, but with his demeanour. Um, but um, could he win? Mm. Steve, I wonder if you could go back-to-back weeks of uh, writing people off for putting on POA. Do you know who I'm talking about? Who? who said to me, Ricky, Ricky is atrocious on power. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if, if Ricky Fowler does win at 25, that's a bargain price, isn't it, for Ricky in a major reason? It's yeah. probably the longest he's been for a major in a while. Oh, yeah, for certain. Same with well, Justin Rose. Like that, Justin Rose at 28. Yeah. So when the last time we saw that? Justin mm. Rose. Uh, Jason Day. A, a number of the different angles that I cut the data, Jason Day popped up. Well, yeah, he's got a great record here, hasn't he? Justin Thomas, 30-1. to Some big prices on some very elite players. Yeah. That's 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 quite a price for Jason Day, isn't it? Yeah. 33-1, to you can get him. 35-1 to at Unibet. Oh, there he is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a the, difficult one because I... I, I pondered what to do, and I've, I've I've left him alone. I think when um, it comes to DraftKings, I think I will use him, um, and I'll use him on a probably overweight in terms of um, in terms of being you know probably contrarian to, to most of the uh, most of the players because I think he'll be left alone on the basis that he hasn't you know been recording the finishes you'd expect, and he has this tendency to pull out after a few holes, one and a half hole, yeah. Um, that I mean but, that you don't get that built into his price ever. The fact yeah. that he, you know, so it's and that's the killer. So he could that could just destroy a few of your DraftKings teams. It could, or if everyone it, leaves him alone and he he sticks the yeah. four rounds and uh, finishes top four, then he's, he's he's proved to be a particularly strong pick, isn't he? Is it, is it, uh, it one one's a ponder? I think it is the definition of a punt. Mm. It really is a punt putting him, you know, backing him or putting him on your DK team. So he's quite, he is, he can, he can, if he, if he gets going and stays healthy, he can really, really be up there. 
None of us have mentioned at Pebble Beach a four-time winner who's sitting on DraftKings at $8,200, Phil Mickelson. What does that say? Yeah. In his pursuit of trying to find those extra few yards, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. he's... Uh... Well, in terms of his calf circumference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... Don't know. Again, he won at Pebble earlier this year, didn't he? Again, as you yeah. say, for the fourth time. We were on board, and, yeah. But no, he's, he's out there 50, 55 to 1 in place. He is a bigger price than Brant Schnedeker with most bookmakers. That might be a slight exaggeration. Like he's, he's big with some and he's kind of level with most. But yeah, he's, there, he's at that price Look, point. Can, would you back? I can't back him, though. No, I, mean, I can't, no. Be, be great to see him do the career grand slam and happy days, but like I'm just like, if I've got a, a, a bet or two left in me to add to the too many I already have on, he's not he's not the one that I'm going to put the money on. No, no, it didn't jump off the page to me either. Do you think I Graham McDowell could kick on, boys? Because as as our analysis highlighted, Graham McDowell and Pebble Beach are like a they're like two peas in a pod, aren't they? Mm. And that must have well, boosted him so yeah. much. I mean, it was a fantastic oh, yeah. performance. Yeah. Well, but then that is that is that mission accomplished in the short term? You know, mm. was his goal in, in the short medium term to get himself into the Open Championship at Port Rush? And that, yeah. You know, that wave of relief, that you know, that exhilaration from having achieved that. Um, you know, yeah. you know, now that thirty foot. I don't actually. I don't think he needed to nail that thirty foot part in the end. I think he would have made it anyway. But at the time, he didn't know that, did he? No. And uh, you know, and there isn't that, a that great. Show... There isn't a great deal of juice there, is there? I mean, he's a short sixty to one with Paddy Powell. Yeah. yeah. That's because he's Irish and they're an Irish bookmaker, so that that happens quite a lot. Yeah. With the uh, if you look at Shane Larry is forty to one, but you can get him on. Bet three six five for sixty to one. Yeah, yeah. Now you lose a couple of places, but yeah, the the Irish lads always are much shorter with Paddy Power on a major week because of the sheer volume of money from the uh, the average. Yeah. Well, it's just the average yeah. Joe Punter who doesn't gamble on golf week on week, but for the majors, they just go, "Well, I'm going to back uh, yeah. Rory, uh, Larry, G Mac." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to know whether G Mac kind of. Uh, I don't know whether the adrenaline kind of might just taper off a bit, and yeah. he, or, or he just yeah. you know, yeah. It's um, you. I wonder whether you could see him figuring for maybe the first two to three days, and then maybe run out of steam, or mm. it's um, w- whatever happens. Uh, it was awesome what he did mm. over the weekend, and to to grind out. That's the kind you know that uh, that'll stand to him, and it's the kind of attitude you're going to need this week. Um. Whether yeah, I don't know. Won't be won't be getting my money, but uh, I'd love to see him go well. So I did, I, go on, yeah. Sorry, I say I, I I used GMAC for my um, the inspiration for my final and longest punt of the week. So I'll see if you can work it out before I get to his name, Steve or Stephen Barry. And um, so if you go back to GMAC when he won here in 2010, he he actually had some sneaky major championship form and I know we kind of we looked at him at the time briefly we kind of thought nah there's no way he's going to win the major but his um, recent majors he'd finished 19th 15th 17th 18th and 10th so five top 20 finish in seven of his previous 
majors. Um, he'd got that top 10 at Pebble. Um, he put it all together and the rest is history. So I've backed a guy who's finished 12th and 14th in his last two major championships. Right. The 12th was his best. 14th was at Beth Page um, on his last major start, as you'd expect. Oh. He's finished runner-up here in 2018. He led driving accuracy here at Pebble Beach earlier in the year. He led driving accuracy at the Heritage. He led driving accuracy at Quail Hollow recently. He was sixth for putting average at Beth, Play, Beth Page Black, Black, which is his weakest suit. He's got a top three in the season, which is another stat that pops up every now and again for US Open champions. He's 250 to one at 10 really? places each way. Jeez. To win them this week. Any ideas? Yeah, I, I know. I, I tipped him up a couple of weeks ago. And he missed the cut. <laughs> the poison money of Bamford. Is it is it Ches or Chay? That's 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 the, that's, oh, the, that, that's the question. Oh man, Ches Reevy. He did play, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he finished second to uh, Ted Potter. Um I, I don't I don't think he's got the minerals to win the US Open Championship, but could he top 10, could he backdoor a top 10 at 250 to 1? He's got the accuracy to keep himself in the game. He's got the pebble form. He's improving at majors. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought uh, I thought 250s was worth having a little tickle on, I must say. So he completed my team this week. Is it just me or does Eric Van Ruyen always flatter to deceive? Yeah, he's got a couple of. I mean, he topped some of the stats I put together for the uh, for recent majors, and so you know he's not had many recent major performances, but he's. Uh, didn't he? He's, bur- he's he bogeyed right. the last last night, didn't he? To drop down a few spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I forget which one it was. There was, a, there was a, um, an event out in uh, in the European Tour um, a few weeks ago where again he had a cracking chance to win and drifted away at the end. And it's a shame, really, because he's got an awful yeah, lot of game. Got a lot of game, isn't he? Mm. Maybe that will come together. Yeah. The way that you described that, I was desperately in my mind going through. Who the hell's he talking about? <laughs> and then it just came to me as I yes. looked, as I looked at the PGA Championship leader. Well, that's why I got on him at, at Colonial. I thought, well, he's gonna, yeah, he can be boisted by that. That fourteenth, blah blah blah, miscut. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes, if you if you take the name out of the equation and just look at the raw yeah, stats the and facts around it, it paints a paints a very different picture until you actually attach the name to it. But uh, I, I'm, at that price, I'm happy to have a go. Six thousand nine hundred and DraftKings as well. May well, may well squeeze him into a few teams as well. Okay, I think that's just about us, isn't it? Mm. Yep. Looking forward to this week. Yeah. Should, be a, should be a cracker, shouldn't it? We've done a ma- we've done a major championship podcast, and we haven't mentioned Matt Wallace. I'm in shock. <laughs> or Jordan Spieth. Mm. Yeah, uh, 156 lads to, to to mention, guys. So we're not going to get through them. No, all, we're not going to get them through, through them all, are we? Right. Well, we gave it a good shot, though. We did give it a go, and we have we've covered we've covered half the field with our bet, so it's all good. We might we might be able to shout some success at the end. <laughs> right, I appreciate your time as ever, gentlemen. It's always much appreciated. 
And uh, yeah, thanks, best of luck, guys. Best of luck to all of you, and best of luck to all of our listeners. We will be back again soon. It, uh, next week, I believe we got some European tour action next week. Surely, yeah, BMW International Open next week. So back oh, into the uh, straight back. and narrow. We've got the Travelers Championship in the States, which is always another great tournament to get uh, get stuck into. So thank you, uh, thank you to you guys, and thank you to our listeners. We will be back for the DraftKings show later this week. Goodbye. <laughs>